Blog Talk Radio. Wounded but not broken. With host Patrick Scroggins. As a U.S. Army attack helicopter pilot deployed in Iraq, Patrick faced a devastating crash, which resulted in him dying, losing a leg, and a slew of broken bones. Patrick's story of rehabilitation has helped others to overcome their own obstacles. Each week, Patrick recounts stories of inspiration and interviews guests who have overcome remarkable obstacles. This is Wounded But Not Broken with your host, Patrick Scroggins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wounded But Not Broken. Uh, We're at a year doing this show. So this is our last episode of the season. And, you know, just kind of looking back and thinking to myself today of of why I wanted to do this show. Uh, I really wanted to do this show because I wanted people to understand that no matter what you go through in life, there's always somebody worse and they're overcoming it so you can overcome it too. So these stories that have been told over the past year are some, you know, amazing stories of uh, triumph. I mean, uh, overcoming adversity and making the best of, of what you have. And, you know, I think it's a very important, well, I think we can all learn from, from these stories. And so tonight, you know, I have Midge uh, Rapoli on here with me. He's the producer of the show. And uh, we're going to kind of discuss some of our, our, I don't want to say favorite because they're all our favorite, but just kind of some of the shows and clips that have stood out over the year for, for us and for many others. And so Midge. Yeah. I mean, over the whole year that we've been doing it, you know, I've, I've heard people that have, uh, you know, been burned, broke their legs, broke their back, lost a leg, lost two legs and an arm, you know, and, and for most people that would be, that's it. I'm done. Put me in a wheelchair and just, you know, but being a, a, a serviceman, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, whatever it be, you guys have that drive to get back and do more than you were actually doing before. You know, if you would have, you know, came out regular without being injured, you know, you probably would have just got a job and gone working. But when you get injured like that, they go back and they help do things and you know like you you take people on uh wounded soldiers on hunts you know up in the mountains and and you know you lost a leg and and broke your back and everything and you want to go back and help and you know because you know how it feels you've been there and i'm sure when you were injured somebody helped you um yeah i I, you know i don't want to i don't want to sound like a superman or anything but i mean when i was injured I really kind of just pick myself up. Uh, I'm kind of a loner anyway. So I've always motivated myself more than anybody else can. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely people along the way that, that help pick me up and help inspire me. And, and, uh, but I think my, my sole means of inspiration for myself were my kids. Um, I've, I've said this many times in speaking events and, uh, just talking, I always wanted my kids to look at what I went through and what I've accomplished. And, you know, if they're in a tough time in their life to be able to, 
pull from that and, and get some energy from that and say, you know, my dad did this in this situation. I can do anything. Yeah, right. No kidding, right? The perfect example for your kids is because, you know, they know that, no, like you said, no matter what happens to them, you know, it's not going to be a, as bad as what happened to you. And look how far you've come since then. And if my dad could do it, you know, so can I. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you know, I think uh, throughout life, there's many people that leave lasting impressions on us. And there are, you know, definitely has been for me. And there, you know, will continue in the future. I mean, there are just, there's some amazing people on this earth. And, and uh, fortunately, I had the pleasure of serving alongside, you know, I I say it all the time, you know, I was, I walked amongst giants. you know, some of these men and women that I serve, serve next to are just uh, larger than life. And, and uh, I feel like, you know, I'm very honored to have done what I've done and honored to serve this country and, and um, you know, continue to serve in my own way. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's, for one, doing this podcast, you know, to get, to get these soldiers' stories out there so people can hear them and hear what our soldiers go through you know and then you like i said you take uh wounded soldiers on hunts and get them back into it so you're you're giving back more than most people do you know that that haven't even served just because you know what it's like you know and you you know what people need and you know how to help them being around uh, a group of guys and girls up in the mountains, you know, hunting, relying on each other, kind of like makes you think back to like when you were, you know, in the in the, in the thick of it, and you had these guys, you know, with your back, and you knew it. And that's kind of what it's when you take them on hunting. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is is when I go out uh, hunting, and uh, you know, obviously, I haven't had much time to do anything really lately, so I don't want to I don't want to claim to do something that I haven't been doing, but. You know, I have in the past that, you know, when I go out hunting with, with wounded veterans, it's just a different experience for all of us because um, if, if somebody that hasn't served or, and, and I don't want to alienate anybody, but if somebody hasn't served or whatever, they go out with a wounded veteran, that wounded veteran may not push himself as hard as if they're with me um, because of everything that I've been through. And I really don't gripe about it. I just do it. And so, yeah, it, you know, that, that has a different effect uh, on people, but there are, there are so many people in this country that do, you know, tremendous things for, for veterans that, that haven't served and that have served, um, you know, there's so many foundations and nonprofits that are just amazing. And, uh, you know, I hope they continue to, uh, thrive in the future to be able to help our, our veterans. I mean, one of them, obviously, for you that I think would be a huge deal would be the Gary Sinise's Foundation. Yeah, the Gary Sinise Foundation, the Rise Foundation, uh, you know, they do – well, Gary started that way back in the day. Gary started doing uh, USO tours and, and raising money for veterans, and, and it's his, his organization has, has grown, in, uh, grown into something very large, and – uh, they have the Rise Foundation, and that foundation builds uh, fully adapted houses for disabled veterans. And I am proud to be one of the latest recipients of one of the houses. See, that's amazing because people don't understand that, you know, there's different things that you need 
that somebody with both legs that can jump and hop and climb into a shower or whatever. There's there's different things that you need. Although I can see you, you know, I I, I don't think you're using you know uh, as much stuff as most people in your situation would because you know for one you're just a badass. Uh, for two, you know you you're stronger than than three guys. You're stronger than three of me. Maybe even five. All right, six. You're stronger than six of me. So, but I mean, people don't realize that, you know, when these uh, soldiers get hurt, how different life is for them. And they can't just jump into a regular house. They have certain needs they have to have. And thanks to Gary and his foundation, you know, like you said, you're the latest recipient. And I'm sure over the years, it it has to be in the hundreds of of houses that he's given away. Um, I don't know the exact number, so I don't want to say, but it's a good amount. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to say somewhere in the 70s or 80s. And when I when okay. I see these houses, I mean, and when you know when you start this house, it's a full process. So it's it's completely 100% adapted to you and your needs, right? And so um, uh, I know in this design process of the house and everything for me. Uh, I'm a very prideful guy, and so I, I had to set some of my pride aside and realize that I'm not going to be this forever, that eventually I am going to um, need assistance. And so yeah. uh, it, was, it, it was just a, it was a very eye-opening uh, process that, that we're going through designing and building this house. So, uh, and, and I know each soldier that has um, – been awarded one of these homes, you know, they, it's a forever home. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, it's your, it's your home forever. And, uh, so everything goes into it. There's, uh, there's really, uh, no stone left unturned, I guess, per se, when you're, when you're doing all of this. And, you know, I, I feel super honored to be a part of that family. And, um, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, I'll be able to, uh, put myself in a position where I can give back like that someday. Yeah. Right. No kidding. I did, did Gary Sinise ever serve at all? He did not. Um, he did well, not, not that okay. I'm aware of, but, but, you know, I mean, I think, uh, I think he, he's just, he's just one of the, just a super patriotic American that loves this country that, that really appreciates what the men and women do. You know, there's a lot of people in this country have no idea what men and women do in the military. They don't know what they do when they go overseas. They don't know what they do in every day. And, I think, you know, for me, I think that's a failure of our military, I, I guess, you know, in a sense. I mean, I think, you know, it needed to be, it needs to be told what these, what these soldiers do. And that's, you know, again, that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do this podcast. And, you know, I've had a big variety of people on this podcast and uh, I've had special ops guys uh, from various special ops groups. I've had regular soldiers, you know, infantry guys or whatever it may be. So a big variety Um, Yeah. But, you know, again, there's always that one common theme and everybody wants to give back and everybody wants to help. The one thing that I find amazing and 99.9% of the soldiers that, that get injured and you ask them, would you, did you want to go back or would you go, you know, and they were all like, yeah, I wanted to go back. It's like, you just got shot three times and shattered your leg and you were wondering how soon I would be healed so I could go back with my, uh, uh, with my infantry. You know, it's like, that's the first thing they, that, that they think of is going back, which I find amazing. 
because that takes Please. a certain kind of person. Not everybody thinks that way, you know, but soldiers, like you said, you said it a bunch of times. You're either a civilian or you were born to be a soldier. And most, you know, like they, you said, you were, you were born to do this and you knew it from the beginning, you know. Some people got in yeah. there a little bit later, but most of them, I think, like you always say, you knew you were going to be a soldier and it's just, it's like built into you. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think what you said there at the beginning is a very good point. You know, you, when you get hurt or something happens and you have to leave early, you know, and you want to go back, you know, some people mistake that as you're like a warmonger or, or whatever. That is the furthest from the truth. What yeah. it is, is you have developed this bond and this cohesion with these men and women next to you, guys that will step in front of a moving train to knock you out of the way and give their life. You feel like you're cheating them by not being with them. Uh, it's very hard to explain, and it's something that uh, our newer generation cannot comprehend. And um, I hope that somehow we can start getting that back into because it's a commitment. It's a, it's it's an, it's honorable. It's you know, I, at, well, there's one word that can sum it all up. And okay. That's integrity. And integrity yeah. is. I mean, if you if you are known as a man with, or a woman with a high integrity then you, you cover all the bases. Integrity is that one thing that can cover everything. And, um, you know, I, and I think, uh, you know, whether, whether you agree with the wars or not, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, we were attacked on our soil. And, and, and if you, all you have to do is go back and watch the videos of people jumping out of the top of the World Trade Center just because they didn't want to burn to death. Um, yeah. I, if I watched it right, if I watched it right now, I'd want to go right now. I mean, that's just that's just how that's just how I'm wired. I mean, you 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 hit me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you back. Hard. Yeah, as I've learned myself. Um, but 9/11, watching that and realizing, like you said, we were attacked on our own soil, and and that encouraged a lot of people to join and head over to Afghanistan. And that's, that's what got you started, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I had a very successful career as a commercial pilot and uh, I quit that day. I went to the army recruiter the next day. Yeah. I remember I, I was live on the radio. We were live on the radio when it happened and just watching that and then just watching, you know, the whole day as you know, buildings eventually the second plane hit and then uh, buildings went down, which is very bizarre and you, you, something you never see unless it's, you know, one of those demolition, you know, things where they're actually taking down a building. But knowing that we were attacked and that happened, you know, I was way too old to already join the, the service then. But I don't even know being as small as I am, I think I would be too afraid to go sign up. If I'm being honest, I think I would be too afraid because it's not, I'm not that built-in type person, like you said. Well, you know, I, I think, I think there's a couple ways to look at it, right? Um, this, to me, this is, you know, one of the greatest, this is the greatest country on earth, right? I mean, we, we choose to whether we want to serve, serve the country in whatever facet we want to serve it. Um, there's other countries where you don't get that choice. You're going to do this yeah. and you're going to do that. Yeah. And so there's no, to me, I don't really look down on somebody that says, hey, you know, I could have went, but I didn't. 
well, that's your choice. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, hold anything against you because you made a choice because you're, this is a free country and that, and we're all free and we're free to do what we choose. Right. It's just for me, I wanted to make sure that I keep it that way. Yeah. I wanted to do my part to make sure our country stays the way that it is. And how long were you in the service before you got injured? Well, so I joined um, the Missouri National Guard in 1996 between my junior year, junior and senior high school. And uh, so the the military was always something that I grew up with. Um, My uncle uh, was a career military guy. He spent 34 years in the military and uh, always looked up to him. And uh, I, do, I was just intrigued by the lifestyle. And, um, you know, I, I always remember as a kid visiting my uncle, everything was so neat. Everybody carried themselves so well, so yeah. polite. And it was just a different life. I mean, you just, and you look at, you look at nowadays, I mean, 90% of these kids that are coming up, I mean, just think what two years in the military would do for them. <laughs> No kidding, right? Believe me, I know that. Yeah. You know, just, just from having to deal with, with uh, I went back to teach radio to some kids at uh, radio school, and just seeing the lack of drive and the lack of, you know, anything, passion, you know, it's like they, have, they just have no drive. There's, there's some to do, but I mean, for the most part, they, they don't, they just think everything should be handed to them, which sucks, you know. Yeah, and and it's from my understanding, I think the kind of military is kind of starting to go that way too. It's that whole kinder, gentler thing, and you know everybody's going to have their own opinion. But my opinion is it should be one of the toughest things that you go through, um, you know, going through basic training and your yeah. uh, advanced individual trainings. I, I think it should be tough um, because the main reason you want to do things that's very difficult is because you want to challenge yourself. You want to challenge your mind, and at the end of it, you want to say, holy shit, I just made it through that. And it's a sense yeah. of pride, right? But if, if stuff's given to you, you're never going to appreciate it. But if you have to work for it, you're always going to appreciate that. Yeah, like last week talking with uh, Chad Chalky, and he, he was uh, Special Forces, and I remember him saying the first thing they had to do was I think he had a backpack on. He had to tread water for 30 minutes. And that was yeah, the first thing um, So Chad was a uh, Marine for- Force Reconnaissance guy. So it was the Marine Special Operations Unit. Yeah. Uh, or one of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that stuff's no joke. I mean, it's just like Joe <laughs> in the SEALs or, um, you know, anybody else. I mean, uh, you know, Keith uh, was a Green Beret. It's all tough, man. And, you know, when you go through something like that and you know that you're, you know, in the top, you know, 5% of all human beings, you know, you're a proud guy when you're done with that, that stuff. Okay. And that's how it should that be, right? Should be. Yeah, you should be proud yeah. because, like, I can barely swim from one, you know, one end of the pool to the other, let alone tread water for 30 minutes with a backpack on, you know? Well, well right, we but do- I mean, when you, when, you, when you want something bad enough, man, you, you – and you don't know how to accept failure and you will not quit, you're always going to find a way. If you look yeah. at David Goggins, David Goggins, obviously he's blown up. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL. Um, he hates the water, scared to death of it. You know what he did? He tied his 
damn hands behind his back and jumped in the lake every day. Get out. It's, it's insane. The guy, the guy's crazy. When he got it, I mean, he, anybody can look up his story, but it, he couldn't get in the Navy because he was so overweight. And he has probably one of the strongest and most badass mindsets of anybody that I've ever seen. So um, he lost the weight, went, became a SEAL, and he, you know, he's just a badass. Wow. Well, we do have some, some audio of some of the, the sh- over the year. Why don't we take a break real quick? And then we got that. Okay. When we come back. Yeah, we'll get a word. We'll get a word in from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Wounded but Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. Attention all U.S. veterans. You have served this country with honor and pride. So why is it so difficult to receive the benefits you deserve? Filing a VA claim is complicated. It's cumbersome and time-consuming. Many veterans have a problem identifying what conditions they should apply for. VDAC, Veterans Disability Application Caddy, is an online application that greatly assists you with filling out your application and identifying the disabilities that you're entitled to. The VDAC process takes about 15 to 30 minutes from start to finish. The entire process is simple and easy to use. The software automatically cross-references the VA database to determine what presumptive conditions you are entitled to as well as any secondary conditions. Once done, a fully completed VA form is generated with supporting material. To find out more, go to nifv.org and click on the VDAC button. Again, the website is nifv.org and click on VDAC. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Midge and I are here just kind of reminiscing over the last year of doing this show. And uh, we're going to play, you know, a few clips that kind of really stood out. Well, some really stood out to me. 
and uh, that I know that stood out to the to the audience. And so, Midge, which one are you going to play first? Uh, first, we have Blaine Scott. He had an amazing story, and uh, this is how he got his injuries. All my injuries included, I was 40% burned, my head, arms, legs. I had a compound fracture in my left foot. I had a broken ribs, collapsed lung, lacerated liver. Oh, my, my face was a third-degree burn. Um, I didn't have much of a nose left. Um, one ear was pretty bad. If you look at it now, it's a lot smaller than my other one. My lips were all burnt. You know, my hair, I don't get a lot of my hair anymore because they were all burned off the top of my head. He had an amazing story, and the fact that yeah, he went so, on is amazing. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Blaine. So Blaine is a really good friend of mine, and um, we went through therapy together. Uh, and you know, I think the biggest thing that stands out for me is Blaine's daughter. Um, you know, I see Blaine. I just see a, a soldier. Yeah, he's burnt, and you can tell. I mean, but he carries himself in the highest caliber. I mean, he's a, he was a Marine, and, you know, he continues to give back. But, you know, his daughter uh, was around the age of my oldest daughter, and uh, she ended up committing suicide because of bullying. And so not only did Blaine have to go through what he had to go through, but him and his wife had to go through losing a child. And, you know, I, both of them are – both Blaine and his wife are some amazing human beings, and to be able to um, – you know, come out ahead uh, and, you know, and now they have a foundation to help with bullying for kids. And I don't know, I just respect him so much. And, and he's such a great guy, uh, true American. Was that his only child or does he, does he have more? I forgot. Uh, he has one more. I just go on from that takes, you know, I, I, I have a daughter and a son and, and just the thought of that would kill me. And that would be a, a, a tough one to come back with on top of, you know, all of his injuries. So that would be a tough one. You know, we've had yeah, a, lot I mean, of, I, a lot of these people over the year. Yeah, and it's, you know, I don't understand. It's becoming more prevalent. I mean, with, you know, not only veteran suicide uh, is just skyrocketed, um, but just, you know, of our young teenagers and kids, I, I just – I don't understand it. I mean, I have my own theory of, of why, I, you know, I, I think the social media and cell phones are the worst thing that ever happened to this country. And that's just my opinion. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, you can't really, you know, when I, when I was growing up, it was very rare to hear about something like that. And so it's just, it's almost every day now you hear it. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just like with all these kids, you know, going nuts and mass shootings. I mean, what, what is, why? I don't understand. Uh, so there's obviously a, a systemic problem, and, and uh, hopefully the minds to be, wherever they are, hopefully they're trying to figure it out. That's <laughs> that's one of the things that I don't know if they ever will figure that out. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, police officer suicides, um, teacher suicides. It's just seems like the world has just gotten to the point where people are like, you know what, I've had enough. You know, it's sad because it shouldn't be that way. You know, we just had that, that shooting in Highland Park, you know, and it's like 
almost every weekend there's at least five or six people shot, you know, and killed in the city of Chicago downtown. You know, I mean, there's a lot, like 20 or 30 shot, and like you know, three or four die every weekend, and it's just it's normal. You know. Yeah, it is, and and you know, everybody. I know that you know it's it's a hot topic right now, and it and it seems like it always is in election cycles. But you know, they all want to point towards guns. You know, I I don't understand it. That's like that's like saying you know if you hit somebody in the car, it's a car's fault. It's not. It's 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 whoever's behind the the trigger of the gun or whoever's behind the wheel of the car, right? But Chicago has the strictest strictest gun laws in the country. And they have the most shootings of any other city in the country. So it's obviously, um, it doesn't matter what you do. You, you can't take away guns from law-abiding citizens and expect bad guys not to have them. Um, yeah. The bad guys are going to have them regardless, right? And so it, I, I hate when all this gets publicized, and I, it's a terrible what's, what's happening. But, you know, there are good things that come out of this. Uh, there was that shooting, uh, I forget where it was at, but... Um, that uh, young, younger guy, 22 years old, ended up pulling out a pistol and, and uh, killing the, the guy that was shooting up people in the mall. Um, oh, I saw that one. Yeah, it was like a couple of weeks ago or within the last week, I think. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you right now, you go – and this, this, is, this is just an example. You could go into a mall in Chicago, and if you were going to shoot it up, everybody's going to run and whatever. You go to a mall in Texas and see what happens. <laughs> and you're going to have about – 39 millimeter pistols drawn on you and that's how it should be i mean it really should it really is i mean if if people know that there's going to be you know dire consequences uh, for their actions then uh they they think twice about it usually yeah if you if you're walking around and you're thinking about robbing and you see three guys walk by you with actual guns in their holsters and they're not policemen just regular guys you know that's definitely going to deter you from, you know, doing the things you would do like here in Chicago, you know. Um, I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people are doing the free and trying to do their part. But in, in Texas, like you said, you see it. And it, it has a, an effect on you whether you know it or not. You're like, okay, I just saw three guys with a gun walk by. I'm not going to rob this store because, you know. Right, and in that's Texas, for every three guys that you see the gun, there's ten with that you don't see the gun, right? So, yeah. um, but, but you know, it doesn't matter. There's evil in this world. Uh, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. You 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 can't exterminate it. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be in in mankind. There's just evil people, and you know, I I don't agree with publicizing the evilness to try to get a political agenda, and that that's what our politicians have turned to and it, and it's gotten so corrupt and so uh, just sad, really. I mean, it's, it's almost embarrassing uh, what, what goes on, you know, in that political realm for me, but, you know, you'd mentioned cops and, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for cops and, and what they do. Uh, I don't think you could pay me enough to be a cop uh, in this time because oh. no matter there's there, they're, they're always put in the most dire situations, and if they have to use lethal force, then you might as well just you, – you better get ready for six to eight to ten weeks of litigation because they're going to try to put you in jail. It's amazing to me that respect that people have for the police now watching – you know, it's like I don't want to watch the news, but when I do, it's like, you know, I see a group of people, and they're all – 
attacking a police vehicle. It was a, a police SUV, and they were running up to it, hitting the window, and like it's just like that's a police car, you know. And and you have no respect that you're going to run up there and try to break the window and do something to the officer, you know. I don't understand well, that. I mean, and it, if, if they, I mean, again, that, that goes to, to good anything. and evil, right? Yeah. That that goes that goes to the good and evil. You got evil people, and evil people. If you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And so, when you have these big, corrupt cities that do not enforce the law, they it's almost more beneficial to be a criminal. Um, well, I mean, what do you expect? It, that's just what's going to happen. You know what? You take. Go, go to another country. I mean, I won't speak of one particular, but I can think of a couple on my mind. Do some of this shit in them, the, those countries as you do in this country. You wouldn't have hands oh, yeah. or they'd hang you or, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Um, somebody just called in. I don't know who it is. Do you want to find out? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. My name's Joe. I came here because it had, <laughs> it had military in your tag. So I'm a vet, and I wanted to find out what the show had to offer. While I was listening, I was listening to you guys talk about your philosophies about good and evil. So, yeah, evil exists in this world, uh, probably even more prevalent than you realize. But that doesn't mean that we throw our hands up in the air. Ostensibly, that's what the military is for to make sure that evil from another country doesn't encroach upon our borders, speaking of the USA. And I say yeah. ostensibly. Right. Now you're also yep. talking you're also talking about the um I I this is a a daily occurrence in Europe. You're talking about the police car that was overrun by uh you know by whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Now that's going to that's going to happen because the police have shown themselves to, to have no backbone. Two years ago, when Black Lives Matter and Antifa were in Portland and in other cities in Oregon, what happened? The police could have very easily squelched the so-called peaceful protesters, but they didn't. And the reason why they didn't was because they got orders from the mayors to stand down. Now, how can you have respect for a bunch of people who are paid to protect us, and yet they're allowed to stand down and let their own precincts burn, let themselves get hurt, hospitalized, killed, and allow the people um, who they're supposed to protect get burned up in $2 billion worth of damage. I think that's because now if the police do anything, like Patrick said, they get sued. They get. They have to go to court. They have to, you know, write up a report on what happened, and they get suspended. And you know, just trying to do the right thing, they get in more trouble than it seems like it should be worth. But that's that shouldn't be the case. They should be able to retaliate and and save and protect like they're supposed to do. What do you think, Patrick? Well, I think Joe. Joe. Joe is your name. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I agree with what you said completely. I mean, there, and, and, you know, there's good and bad in every walk of life, right? So you have good cops, you have bad cops. But I know a lot of good cops, um, very good cops. They're all ex-military guys, and, I mean, their hands are tied. They're, if they're, I mean, they're told, 
you're not to do this. And you're right. The mayors of these big cities tell them to stand down and because it's all getting politicized because it's, we have such a corrupt system. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, a lot of the good police officers are walking away because it goes against everything that they believe. I mean, they believe in law and order and, um, you know, and they they can't enforce it. And even when they do, you know, they arrest somebody for, you know, a pretty bad crime and they're out a week later where, as if a cop ends up having to draw his weapon and, you know, double tap somebody because of whatever the reason, his life is in danger, somebody else's life is in danger, there's about a 60, 70% chance that cop's going to jail. Not, no, not even in today's society, even when the, um, uh, the feelings against the cops are, uh, are growing. Now, he, most times, cops get uh, suspended with pay. And with regards to the police leaving, yeah, because they were told by the mayors to stand down and their, and their homes, their precincts, got burned. But the thing is, is that in order, the cops have always been corrupt, even with the good cops. The good cops who ran mm. out, the bad cops, are called rats, right? It's called the rat squad. It's not called internal affairs. And a cop should be glad that his partner or the rats, I'm talking about the real rats, the ones that give the real good cops the bad names that should be ratted out, they should be going to jail. Cops don't have any guts. And here's another thing. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's not even constitutional for the cops to protect. If you're paying taxes for the cops to protect you, they don't have to protect you. Did you hear about the New York City case? That's why you're never going to see me relying on anybody to protect me. I'll protect myself. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't, <laughs> my best friend, my best friends are Smith and Wesson because I'm not allowing, uh, I'm not going to rely on a cop to come 10 minutes later after I'm dead. I'd rather shoot the other guy than worry about it and, uh, later. But the thing yeah. is, is that we need good cops. We need good sheriffs. We need good law enforcement, but they themselves, have the, um, have the philosophy that anybody who points to and um, shows a bad cop is a rat, you know, what do you expect? Well, I think you've got to go above that, and I think you need to say we need good politicians. We need good politicians that haven't been in office for 45 years. We need, we need, that's, the biggest, that's the best thing we could do for our country oh, yeah. is put term limits. Term limits, you do your eight years. It should be an honor to be in that position. Get your ass out and let the next person go. I am with you 98%. The 2% I'm not with you about is the term limits because these assholes can do so much damage in two years or six years. Plus, the American people are so stupid, they elect, they either reelect the same scumbag, the same traitor, or they elect somebody who's just like them. People do not know how to vet a politician. If you want to learn how to vet a politician, uh, there's a show that I recommend that I was on with a politician, and I made sure he put skin in the game. I vetted him the way all um, Americans should vet their politicians, to make sure that this whoever was, gets elected, that they have to do what they say they're going to do in one week, or they get out. <clears throat> That's my condition. Hmm. <laughs> And how often does that happen, Joe? Well, you have to learn how to do it. All you got to do is say, for example, let's say you're running for office. Who wants to be the guinea pig? 
I'll be the guy grilling you. I'll run for office because I'm probably going to okay. eventually. All right. What office do you do you want to run for? Uh, probably Congress. Congress, senator, or congressman? Congressman. Congressman. <clears throat> okay. Congressman, and what should I call you? Congress or potential congressman? What's your name? Patrick Scroggins. Patrick. Okay. All right. Potential Congressman Patrick, I've, I've taken a look at your website, looks impressive. I've taken a look at your background, looks impressive. Now, what's the difference between you and everybody else who's been elected to Congress the past hundred years? Well, um, from the outside looking in, probably nothing. But uh, over a period of time, you're going to understand that I don't bullshit. I say it how it is, and I'm honest. And I, I will I will tell the honest truth, whether it's good for me or not. Hmm. All right. And now I'm going to tell you right now. Also, there's a condition also that I have when I when I grill politicians, if the host lets me. And that's this. And that's the and the condition is I can interrupt. If you guys have ever seen how the Supreme Court um, listens to the lawyers that come in front of them, they always interrupt the lawyers because they don't want the lawyer to meander. And, you know, we don't want politicians to just. Keep on tap dancing and meandering. So I'm glad that you interrupted yourself because I, I would have to. <laughs> Here's the thing. Patrick, I hear you. You're honest. I don't care what you say. I don't care about your resume. You're going to say whatever it takes to get into Congress. And let's say, let's assume you're honest. Here's what I want you to do. Now, you're running for Congress. <clears throat> there have been other, other honest politicians in there, like Ron Paul, for example. He couldn't do any good. You know why? Because you couldn't get a bill out of committee. I don't expect you to get a bill out of committee either, if you're as honest as you say you do. But here's something you can do in one week if you'll agree to it. If you get elected, will you go around to your other congressional colleagues and ask them to join you um, in your fight against corruption by the senators and by the congressmen? And if they say no... Will you be willing to publish their names one week now in your newsletter and give a press conference naming names of all those people who said no? Would you be willing to do you that? You damn right I would. You damn right I would. Okay. That is extremely important. And to make sure that you're going to do what you say you're going to do, would you also be willing to be recalled? In other words, if you don't do that in the first week, would you be willing to to, um, to allow your constituents who voted you in to absolutely uh, sign petitions to get you out in one week, not two years, one week. Well, I think, I think accomplishing that task in one week would be rather difficult, so I would probably uh, counter, counteract that with maybe two weeks, and if I didn't get it done and I didn't hold a press conference, I would resign. Now, see, you're the type of congressman everybody needs. You've got skin in the game. You are publicly saying, if I don't do this particular promise, forget about all the other bullshit that all the other congressmen and gubernatorial candidates promise to do, reduce inflation, um, increase the, uh, the shortages, or reduce the shortages, bring back law and order. If you don't do this, you're willing to get your ass out of there because you will be showing people you're a liar or you're incompetent. Now, see, that's the kind of politician we need. And that's the kind of law that we need. 
That's how you vet a politician. You don't say, oh, my God, you are terrific. You're going to do all of this? No yeah, well, I think the, the, the big thing, the, one of the big things that you said that uh, at the beginning, you said, I'm going to say whatever it needs to get elected. I completely disagree with you. I will not, I will not bullshit anybody to get elected to anything. I've never bullshitted anybody in my life to get anywhere. I got where I'm at because I bust my ass and I'm honest. Well, good. Then that's why you said, all right, I'll be willing to have my ass pulled out of here in two weeks. Because the purpose of a politician is to serve the people. Like Harry Truman said, he never never knew of any politician who, even when they were honest and they got into office, when they got out, uh, remained honest. So that's why, uh, that's how I vet politicians. Yeah, it should be an honor. It should be an honor to sit in that seat and and represent your people. Not a, it shouldn't be a way of life. It should be an honor. I mean, it should be an honor. Yeah. And if you know, I also, yeah. What branch of the service were you in? Air Force. Nice. Well, thank yeah, you. I had a nice cushion. Thanks. I had a nice cushion job. Don't thank me. I wasn't in the. I wasn't in country. It was my colleagues uh, who were in country. They're the ones who got duped into fighting for uh, Kodak and Coca-Cola, and and they died. You know, I had a nice cushy job, nine to five job, air conditioned office. So yeah, thanks for the thanking me, but. I, I did my part, but the real, the real heroes were the people my age, 17, 18, and 19, who, got, uh, who were sent to Nam under the same pretenses that our boys today are being sent to Afghanistan and Iraq. So I want those politicians <clears throat> going to jail. Yeah. Them, they who send us to the wars for, uh, to, to, uh, to make the coffers of the rich, uh, the richer, rich politicians, richer, and the lobbyists even richer. I want them in jail. Well, there's no doubt that everything's gotten so corrupt that uh, you know it's almost. And you know, I think I think you said it. I know, there's just not enough attention paid anymore. Nobody really cares. You know, they're just in their own little little world. Most of them have their heads buried into a phone on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And that's all they care about. They don't care about what really goes on in this country. So, yeah. Joe, thanks for your call. We appreciate yes. it. Yeah, Joe, yeah, thanks guys. for calling Take in. care, too. Sure. Yeah, hey, you guys be you. safe, all right? You, too. Right, Take yes. care. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah need to so, take a break. Midge, we got – we do. Let's take a break, get a word from the sponsors. We'll be back and hit uh, hit another clip real quick. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggin. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. 
contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. Attention, all U.S. veterans. You have served this country with honor and pride. So why is it so difficult to receive the benefits you deserve? Filing a VA claim is complicated, it's cumbersome, and time-consuming. Many veterans have a problem identifying what conditions they should apply for. VDAC, Veterans Disability Application Caddy, is an online application that greatly assists you with filling out your application and identifying the disabilities that you're entitled to. The VDAC process takes about 15 to 30 minutes from start to finish. The entire process is simple and easy to use. The software automatically cross-references the VA database to determine what presumptive conditions you are entitled to as well as any secondary conditions. Once done, a fully completed VA form is generated with supporting material. To find out more, go to nifv.org and click on the VDAC button. Again, the website is nifv.org and click on VDAC. You're listening to Wounded But Not Broken with host Patrick Scroggins. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, we had a couple other clips, but we're kind of running out of time. And so I just want to quickly say, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's so many stories told this year um, on this show. So many touching moments, so many memorable moments for me. Um, some very close friends, you know, came on and told their stories. And uh, I know some of the some of the stuff they don't really talk about. Uh, my really good friend Joe Hahn came on and told his story, and that's super special. And but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's been an honor for me to to do this show. Stay tuned in the future to see what we're going to come up with next. And you know, I want to thank everybody for this year that did came on in this sh- come on to the show. I want to thank everybody that tuned in, you know, and gave their feedback for the show, all the listeners. Most of all, I'd like to thank all the sponsors, uh, Lance, Tom, and uh, Mark Eli for putting all this together. Uh, General Grange, you know, I want to I want to thank the whole team. Midge, you've been a a vital part. We wouldn't have this show wouldn't have went on without you. And uh, you know, it's been an honor for me to do it, and I can't wait to uh, figure out what we're going to do next. Uh, I've had. You know, like you said, I don't, I don't want to say I had a blast doing the show. I've learned so much over the past year. You know, I was never in the service, and each week I got like a peek into, you know, a, a soldier's story, and it, they were all amazing. Even the ones we had on that, you know, like the parents of uh, Joel House, you know, they have their foundation house in the woods, listening to, you know, even the parents' story. Uh, along with the soldier stories, just it's been a great year. We've had an amazing guest all time. Yeah, we have. We have an awesome team, and we've had uh, some amazing guests, and you know, had some good times, a lot of laughs, a lot of sad moments, and 
you know, just saying, I want to appreciate, I want to thank Joe for just calling in. Uh, that was a pretty good exchange. I, I really, uh, I really like that. Uh, I think, I think that's one thing in the future that I would like to, uh, I'd like to do more of is have call-ins and just kind of discuss and get different points of view and uh, get them out there. I think that's important. But um, yeah, that was, yeah, that so. was great. He actually knew how to put together a sentence. A lot of time working in radio, a lot of people call and they uh, don't know how to speak. So he was really good though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, so uh, all the listeners, I want to thank you very much for a great year and all the feedback. Uh, We really appreciate it. And I hope everybody has uh, a good rest of the year. And we're going to we're going to come up with something something different. And uh, we're going to continue this on in the future. So God bless you. God bless the United States of America. And Midge, I'll have I'll let you have the last word. Well, I just want to say thank you for for doing this and, and, you know, taking time out each week. I know you got a, a really busy schedule and you've, you've taken time out each week to do this and, and talk to these soldiers and get their stories and, you know, make it known to other people, which a lot of people, like you said, have no idea what these soldiers go through. So thank you for opening the eyes and, and actually getting these people's stories out there. So hopefully you will be back doing it again soon. It's my pleasure. And yep, you know, we're going to work up something. So, all right, well, we'll close this chapter for this year and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Thank you. Thanks everybody for tuning in. CBN Veterans Broadcast Network brings you Wounded But Not Broken, hosted by Patrick Scroggin. It lies within you to conquer your greatest challenges. Patrick tackles the stories of how others faced unthinkable odds and then at a pivotal moment, a change occurred within them that gave them the strength, attitude, and direction to excel beyond the greatest expectations. Listen every week and learn how it is possible to defeat the impossible.